Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Welcome back. Kevin's Corner Late June Edition is coming at you right now. I'm Kevin Bowen. Chris Presley in studio. We are less than one month away from Colts training camp. As we record this, the schedule for training camp will be announced later today. So we'll have up that up on the website, 107.5 The Fan, and some joint practices with the Carolina Panthers in there. And Always good to be up at Grand Park. We will have a lot of coverage for you over those three weeks, written-wise, podcast-wise, and video as well. How you doing, man? Doing well. Getting ready for the, the holiday weekend. Yeah, happy 4th of July and uh, safe travels to everyone out there traveling. And um, Yeah, man, I feel like when we get to July, it's just like, here yep. we go. Yep. Here we go. So we'll have four podcasts between now and the start of training camp. And today <laughs> I, I kind of want to hit on nothing screams more late, late June than this topic. But uh, as always, we'll have Twitter questions. But I, I feel like over the past few months, the hype train for Jonathan Taylor, in my mind, it's kind of, it's kind of gaining, right? Gaining some steam, and it's interesting to me when I look at the national angle, Chris, that I don't necessarily feel like it's maybe that high. Um, so I, I want to hit on that. We'll, we'll talk a little bit of that, and then we kind of had a good variety of Twitter questions that I wanted to touch on as well. Um, one thing that I want to get to before we get into the Taylor aspect to it and the Twitter questions, I had Mike Wells on the morning show today, filling in all week from 7 to 10 a.m. on our airwaves and asked, you know, Wells the question about playing starters in the preseason. Does he think, you know, Carson Wentz should play more? And Wells said no. You know, he feels like the joint practices you you get a lot out of. Um, those are controlled environments. You know, you can get a whole lot out of them. Obviously, you can get your starters on one field. You can get your twos on the other. You can get, uh, or I, you can get your, you know, mm-hmm. offense on one field, defense on the other. You know, th- those things are invaluable. It's great stuff, but it is still practice, and that's why I point to. I think we had a question last week, Chris. Is I am just a firm believer in you, you need to play some frontline guys in the preseason, and there's this fine line. I think, especially in today's NFL. You're so nervous about injuries and walking that balance and walking that yep. tightrope of knocking rust off and getting guys acclimated and all that. But at the same time, you know, you want to try and protect as much as you can these guys to stay healthy. So I, I'm really going to be plugged into how Frank Reich handles that. Yeah. And I think when you see the schedule as is, those first five games, you know you're playing Tennessee early in the year. Uh, both those meetings actually early in the year as well. I probably side more on the thinking of, you know, I want to see Carson Wentz without a red jersey on in the month of August. And, again, I know that goes against Frank Reich's thinking, so I agree with Wells on that aspect, but I am a big believer in that we got to see a little bit, right. a little bit more. Um, where do you stand? Are you more of rest, rest, rest? I don't, I don't care about the so, preseason. No, so listening to you this morning on the morning show here locally, you had Mike Wells on. And he was kind of opposite of you. Yeah, he, he felt was, more, definitely. you know, it's going to be, I want him more in practice, especially with the Carolina Panthers coming in. The only thing that I was going to add to that, obviously right now, and w- 
we will talk about this as we get much closer, but YouTube does a really good job now with all the NFL front offices having production teams putting together kind of behind-the-scenes looks at teams. So I found myself down the rabbit hole looking at Denver's and Carolina's, and Carolina's had some great pieces. So I do think regardless of what side Frank takes, whether it's yours, Wells, or a little bit of the, the medium there, Carolina is going to, I think, give us some good practice reps for those guys. Yeah, and again, I don't want to act like that stuff is not valuable. It is valuable. But when you play the quarterback position and you know, oh, you know, Brian Burns isn't going to hit me here. He's coming Mm -hmm. off the edge. Like, there's just that innate feeling of, like, I am safe. You know, I'm trying to think of some other analogy in in another sport. I mean, it'd almost be like if you're a – batter getting in the batter's box and you know there's some sort of netting in front of you mm-hmm. you're not going to get hit so that ball that's on the inside corner you know you're going to feel confident about it. that ball kind of thrown up at your head you're not worried about that in the back of your mind so um, again what well, we got the schedule up on the website by the time that you're listening to this and then we'll come back and touch on that but I do want to get in the Jonathan Taylor MVP talk all right l- l- let me start here Chris because obviously anytime you say it, running back MVP it's it's a bit of an out, outlandish comment. So um, I say that, and then I say, please listen to my next, you know, whatever, five minutes on this topic. But <laughs> So obviously, Prop Swap helping us out with, with, with the pod earlier th- this year. And you look at the odds for MVP right now, Chris. Jonathan Taylor, odds. First off, you got Mahomes 4-1, to one, the heavy favorite. Right. Uh, Rodgers and Josh Allen, I think I saw it 10-1. to one. The first running back you get to is Derrick Henry, 17th best odds overall at 50 to 1 odds. So honestly, if you're if you're laying down money, yeah. Well, shit, might as well lay down some on Henry. Um you've got Jonathan Taylor all the way at 39th best odds, which is 125 to 1. So we're talking 10 bucks to win $1250. As long as we've got voters that are not just like anti running back, those odds are astonishing to me. Yeah. That they are that big of a long shot. You got Carson Wentz at 40 to 1 odds. I was going to ask, are you, you're looking at him right now? Yeah. So yeah. it's pretty much every quarterback in the league right, is ahead right, right. of the running backs? Literally. I mean, yeah, you got, you know, Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and some of the other running right. backs in the league in between Henry and Taylor. But, you know, Jonathan Taylor finished third in the NFL in rushing last mm-hmm. year. And so what I'm getting at is this is an elite player that I think will be elite and remain at that upper echelon, if not one of the best running backs in the league. And, yes, a large of it, a lot of it will come down to do voters actually want to vote for a running back, which even last year, Derrick Henry, I don't think got a single vote, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Adrian Peterson's the last one mm-hmm. to win MVP. He had over 2,000 yards right. in, in 2012, and you know him you know, coming back from the injury, things like that, that certainly you know, played a huge, huge factor in it. But what I'm getting at with Taylor, and I wrote a story after the season about this, you look at what he did the second half of the season. He closed the year, I think it was eight straight games, with at least 74 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. That is consistent production that no running back in the NFL achieved last year. If you look at the last three years, Zeke did it once, Derrick Henry did it once. So that's pretty rare. Yeah. 
And yeah, obviously he had 250 whatever against Jacksonville in the season finale. I'm not expecting that week in and week out. Sure, if you're going to win the MVP, you're going to have to have a game or two of that. That's just like comes to the nature of it. But like when you put him in that rarefied air, and now you extrapolate that out to potentially 17 games, health has never been an issue for him. Obviously, you know, quote, you know, oh boy, Kevin right. Bowen just jinxed <laughs> us, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but incredibly healthy in college. Last year, the only game he missed was the COVID close contact. I don't even think he missed a game in college, to be honest with you. And think about how much he was carrying the ball yeah. at Wisconsin. If you look at his season as a rookie, he got benched twice, still had 11 rushing touchdowns, and still was third in the NFL in rushing. Uh, now, I know you got Marlon Mack, you got Naeem Hines. There are carries and touches to be divvied up here. But for those of you that are in to the buy an MVP ticket this time of year and potentially sell it at some point when the odds start to decrease majorly, to me, Taylor just jumps off the page at that. I really feel like he needs to be the focal point of this offense. You want to lean on him. Carson Wentz should want that. The Colts have a few more games in primetime mm-hmm. this year. That should help his case as well. And, yes, last year, Derrick Henry, 2,000 yards. And the fact that he doesn't get a single MVP vote, yeah, that's, <laughs> that is worrisome. Um, so Taylor's going to have to really, really do something. But I think the combination of primetime, I love the Christmas matchup. Against the Cardinals, it's like it's like the Heisman guy that gets the big juicy matchup late in the year yeah. to really help his cause on a national scale of here's college game day and all of that. But I don't know, Chris. I might be ludicrous. This might be a ludicrous statement. I know it's late June and we're really grasping at straws <laughs> here, but I just think we are in a national scale. We're a bit overlooking Jonathan Taylor. You might have seen it this week. I don't know if it was pro football focus. And granted, it's that's not just because, but a major reason is because he's on his rookie deal. But they put together an all t- uh, 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 like a, their overall NFL team if they could pick each position and keep it under the salary cap. Oh wow! Darius Leonard was their middle linebacker, and then Jonathan Taylor was, was their running, running back. back. Yeah. And it goes back to something we talked about last April, Chris, when you know Taylor was drafted. Of like, you have got to cash in on this guy on his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. You know, when you draft running backs, you can't wait around. And the Colts have done that with Naeem Hines. And you know, he's I think in the rare group of people that deserve a second contract at that position. But you know, I go back a few years ago. I think Todd Gurley got votes for the MVP. And look, it's going to take Mahomes looking like a human being, which <laughs> yeah. you know that I don't know if you want to bet on that. Um, but basically, Gurley had, I think he combined for 2,100 yards, which it sounds like a ton, and it is, but like if Taylor has is healthy, I think he would sniff around 2,000 total yards. Um, and I want to say Gurley had 19 touchdowns. That's a big number. Taylor had 11, and again, benched twice. So, um, yes, it's going to take a good amount. You'll worry about Mac and Heights, but it's 10 freaking dollars, people. Yeah. You know what? Throw it out there. And if you get to the end of September and Jonathan Taylor's ripped off a couple 150-yard games, you might sell that ticket. I was, all I of was, a sudden. I was just about to say the same thing. You know, now you're now you're really cashing in on it. I, I talk about the Christmas matchup, and now that I think about it, you know, you got that against Arizona is, is that matchup. The week before, you could be playing New England on that Saturday. That game is still to be announced. So, right. you know, if you get a prime timer – then, you know, all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor's going to have a couple bigger games um, to potentially get on the map there. So, um, 
Yeah, I man. don't know. It, you know, it, it's probably a big time long shot. I mean, hell, I'd put a little money on on Henry. Um, it's one of those things that I really loved how the Heisman this year. We finally saw the receiver get his due. Like Devontae Smith, so many times you just like, oh, stud wide out. That's that means his quarterback gets all the Heisman votes. Yeah. Um, so I was appreciative of the Heisman voters that looked at it, and I'd like to see the NFL voters do that as well. And again, AP style voting here, I think it's just 50 votes total. Um, you know, when you look at primarily over the last decade or so, it's heavy, heavy quarterback. Watt got a lot of votes one of those years for the MVP as well. Um, so who knows? Who knows how it'll play out? Um, but I, I am pretty high on Jonathan Taylor having a big, big year. And there's a balance, certainly. We know how the Colts utilize their skill players. They like to keep them fresh. Uh, they like to be unpredictable week to week. You know, for me, Chris, Taylor's a dude you got to ride. I, I just think yeah. he showed last year that you really, really got to feature him. And the beauty of it is you can still feature Naeem Hines in a very specific role. Um, and I know Naeem Hines hates the gadget role. It's a compliment, dude. Yeah. It, it, it's not a negative term. Like, I, I, it might sound negative, but honestly, it helps you out come free agency because you are that gadget piece. And Marlon Mack, I, I don't know. Is it a series each half for him? Is that too much? Is that too little? Yeah. Like we'll that see. is certainly something that's up in the air as well. But yeah, you know, I was scrolling through the list a few weeks ago on those MVP odds, and I, I just couldn't believe how far down the list you go for a running back, and how far you go to get to Jonathan Taylor as well. I mean, thirty-nine people in front of him. I mean, Carson Wentz, twenty-six spots. And yes, when you play quarterback, you know, some of that makes sense. But. Whew. Do you know how you, my attention. you mentioned the, the AP votes? Do you know how, in regards to that, recently here with Miles Turner, someone brought up the fact yeah. that there's no one locally or in the market or region that that have a vote? Do you know how the votes are distributed for football? So I, so when I say AP, you know, there's an AP writer in each NFL market, and then obviously some markets that might not have an NFL team, I think, still get a vote. Okay, um, for that, as long as you are in a big enough market. Um, so Mike Merritt is the Associated Press writer here in Indianapolis. I believe he has a vote, but now that you say that, Chris, I almost felt like that was a debate in our media room the other. Obviously, the Colts haven't had a lot of MVP candidates in recent years, but um, I believe Merritt has a vote, and I'd assume like you know, New York and L.A. and Chicago, they get a couple of votes. And and the beauty of it is, like, for the most part, I, I think in the NFL we haven't had too big of gripes like, you know, Lamar Jackson, the runaway winner a few years ago. Right. You know, Mahomes. I mean, Baltimore and Kansas City aren't huge, huge markets. So, uh, but I believe that is how it goes: is you you get fifty votes um, total, and then whoever has the most first place votes, period. Right. That's your winner, and then they release it from there. So. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll see. But like you said, odds to look at. Yeah, you know what? Odds to look at. You know, I. Can't imagine Devontae Smith's odds were great this time last year. And, hell, Lamar Jackson's odds a couple years ago probably weren't great as well. So if you're looking for a little scratch that's not AFC South, you know, Super Bowl-related, something like that, there you go. Give it a shot. Yeah, why not? All right, Twitter questions. Okay. Start with Michelle. Where does Carson Wentz rank as far as football IQ? I think we as Colts fans are pretty used to cerebral quarterbacks. So on a scale from Peyton Manning to Jacoby Brissett, where does he stand? Interesting. Um, it's a good one, Michelle. You know, I, I think I think this. 
Let's go back to 2016, Chris. Eagles trade up twice. They're in love with the quarterback. Frank Reich is obsessed with a particular quarterback. To earn obsession of Frank Reich, you need to be intelligent. <laughs> like, that is, you know, some people might be like, oh, yeah, I like that dude because he's fun to drink with. I like that dude because he makes me laugh. If you're going to hang out with Frank Reich, you got to be smart. Yep. You know, that's the big thing there. So it takes a lot to impress Frank Reich. So I think from a pure football IQ, and honestly, for those that are just bored at work right now and everyone is on vacation and you're looking to pass the time, if I'm not mistaken, the video is still out there of the Eagles released it of Carson Wentz at the Combine in their suite uh, on on the um, on the whiteboard, okay. breaking down some film. So the Eagles just unbelievable digital access that that they provide. And obviously, they waited till after Carson Wentz was the pick, but Reich is in that room. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think Reich says anything. I think he just observes the whole time. And Doug Peterson and um, I think Press Taylor might have made some comments. I'm, I forget who else uh, in there had some comments, but it just it's a little bit of insight into like what they saw in Carson Wentz coming out of North Dakota State. What I'm getting at here is. He's smart in the classroom. Like, I think it's you know, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 sort of right. football IQ. I will say this. When I watch him on the field, and yes, a little bit of this is 2020 film, I don't think that translates as smoothly. Now, it's difficult to translate classroom IQ to <laughs> going back to my earlier comment about the red jersey in, in the preseason. I mean, holy shit, of course it's difficult to be like, oh, yeah, here I am standing in the pocket. 300-pound men are trying to break me in half. And <laughs> if that route goes out, if that coverage is this way, yeah, you do, do, do. Right. Yeah, like, of course, that's hard hard to uh, simulate and make a smooth process. But I don't see it, Chris, with him as clearly as I see it with Rivers. If that makes sense. I feel like Philip Rivers, 9 or 10 in the classroom, and that's pretty close to what it is in the field. With Wentz, I don't see that as transferable. Now, can you get back to that? Can you simplify things a little bit more? Can you get him in, I don't know, more of stuff that he really wants to run and really believes in and has a great uh, understanding of the route concepts and where he needs to be drop-wise and all those things, protection-wise certainly? Those are questions that the Colts are going to have to answer. Um, So I think Michelle, he's really smart, really, really smart. But that turned onto the football field. I don't think it's as there. Now, I mean, this is not a dumb QB on the field. Like, I'm not getting down that road by any means. It's just um, not as quick of a processor as maybe he once was. Yeah, you're hoping with Frank and the the offensive talent that we have, that's kind of his cheat sheet. Yeah. He gets a little cheat sheet on the field. Are you suggesting you were a cheater at Garen Catholic High School? Listen, you got to do what you got to do to graduate. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you know, I think high school, the, 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 the phrase you use, very similar to the first week of the NCAA tournament, survive and advance. Yes, exactly. Survive and advance. Rosie Bow, don't listen to this <laughs> Let's go to Lunar. Hey, love the show. Who do you think is more likely to break out this year? Big Mo Ali Cox or Paris Campbell? Oh, okay. Lunar, um, thank you. I'd say if healthy, it's definitely Campbell. Just And I also think this, it's kind of hard for a tight end to break out. And a little bit, it's just kind of like the position they play. Like, I felt like Mo Alley-Cox had a really good September last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a semi-breakout. Um, but, like, the higher floor would obviously be Alley-Cox if you're going to look at these two. You know, I feel like with Mo, he is so important for the future at tight end. 
You know, we don't talk about tight end in the same light if we talk about other positions on this football team. But, man, if he can show you something, because he can be a three-down tight end. Yeah. And he's much more of a, you know, Kylan Granson, Chris, he's more like of your Komoko Turi, of a little bit specialty, a little bit more of, okay, uh, he can help you out, but he can't help you out in ten different ways necessarily. And what I'm getting at is just the balance of the run game yep. and the pass game there. So, um, yeah, I think Mo is so big for the future. He's older. I want to say 27, 28, which I think might surprise a few people. But you got to remember, pretty young in football. Yes, life. yeah. Um, so, yeah, if healthy, the more likely one is definitely Campbell. But obviously a little bit more consistency. And Moe's battled a lot of injuries. I think Moe's played through a good amount of injuries as well. Um, so, yeah, thanks for sending Luna. It was funny, and it, it was typical Colts. Did you see the TMZ Sports w- interview with Moe Alleycock? No. You know TMZ typically, like, yeah. they're catching someone on the street. Drive-bys. It's yeah. clickbait. It was just like a generic two-minute conversation with them. Oh really? We're with Mo Ali Cox. What do you what do you what do you think of Carson Wentz? Like sitting down or like no? Like he was street? walking down yeah. the street and a, <laughs> a TMZ guy or someone who sold the video to TMZ recognized him and what do you think of Carson Wentz? You know yeah. he's a great guy. We're, we've already you know thrown the ball around mm-hmm. a couple of times. We're going to meet back up again. That's it's like this is not TMZ. No, 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 no. You no, expect no. to click it and hear some slander or something right. crazy? Right. It was just like yeah. no, just a Carson super- Wentz is a noodle arm. Yeah. You know, no. Carson Wentz is the greatest arm in the NFL history. Yeah. yeah just a super nice guy. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. Definitely seems like a really nice guy. I, I always loved watching him at VCU. You yeah. Know, just <laughs> tenacious rebounder on some of those Shaka Smart, Will Wade teams, and uh, I think it's a f- contract year for him. So you know, big, big right. for him. All right, this one comes from Jason. What starter do you see being the most in danger of losing his spot to a late roster cut or added player? Hmm. Okay. That's a good one, Jason. I, Chris, I would say it's pretty rare to see a team go outside their roster at the end of the preseason for a week one starter. Now, obviously not injury related, mm-hmm. but like how many times do you really cut a guy and then you're going again. Oh, this waiver claim is going to start on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. Like that's you don't typically see it. Certainly, you don't see it for good football teams, which you you would hope the Colts would be a good football team. Um, offense, I don't see any man. I really don't like enough depth on the offensive line that I think you have enough like in-house options. Like if Sam Tevy just looks like me at left tackle, okay, Will Holden or right. Julian Davenport yeah. maybe, as scary as that might sound to some people. You know, defensively, I, maybe, and I really stress the maybe, maybe defensive end, but still, even there, I, I think like okay, Isaac Rochelle, Tyquan Lewis, yeah. You know, Al-Kadeem Muhammad, Quiddy Pet, like, you just, I think you got enough in-house guys that you would try there. You know, maybe a third linebacker, maybe a third corner. Uh, but, again, that's not not necessarily, like, every down sort of player there. Like, Zaire Franklin is your third down linebacker. who They, they love and stands for everything that they want, but that is a name that I'd probably. But still, I mean, it's just. Yeah. I, I To be honest with you, Jason, I mean, I'd be surprised if, the 90-man roster we see in our training camp 
if your 22 starters don't come off that roster uh, come September, whatever it is, 15th, 14th. When is the first game? Seahawks? Yes. September 12th. Yeah, this year. This one comes from Paul. Last year, the Colts brought in a fullback but didn't implement the offense due to COVID. With the versatility they have at running back, how likely is it that they try a two-running back system this year, or what other formations are possible? Thank you for your insight on the Colts. I don't think anything gets me more excited, Chris, than fullback questions. I love fullback. I want Rosie Bow to be a fullback. That's football, man. I I, I want her to line up in the wishbone. I want her to get a big first down in the snow against Army (laughs) and for me to go nuts in the crowd. Um, Sure, I want Rosie Bow to be happy more than anything else, but if she wants to be a fullback, her father will have full support. You'll be like Little Giants. Sure, sure. Be the head coach. Let's go. 100%. Uh, Talk about an underrated movie. Um, You know, you can do anything you set your mind to, Rosie. And if you want to be a fullback... Daddy would love that. Um, <laughs> so last year, yeah, I forgot about the fullback. Remember Roosevelt Nix? Yep. The old fullback. Great great fullback name, by the way, mm-hmm. as well. I don't know if Rosie is a great fullback name, but hey, we can make things work. Rosemarie is her full name. We can go there. I, You know, last year the Colts used a COVID excuse, kind of like, oh, not enough practices to implement a fullback. Eh, I, I feel like that sounded good, you know, for a PR. And, uh, it's, I mean, who cares? I don't think we were freaking out too much about Roosevelt Nix being cut. I feel like, Chris, that several playoff teams have fullbacks. Like, I'm thinking of Sherman for the for the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I feel like Buffalo had a fullback. Um, I mean, the Colts really don't have a fullback. They just tried the H-back sort of thing. Uh, San Francisco's got the use check guy. Yep. You know, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I've seen fullbacks on playoff-type teams that make runs. To your point, Paul, about other f- formations, First, I don't think we'll see a fullback. I, I just don't. I think they'll implement a fourth tight end or a third tight end, and that, that'll be your fullback. I would like to see more two running back packages. It goes back to the Jonathan Taylor talk earlier. Formation personnel groupings, that's where I see things growing a little bit, and I want to see whether it's Wildcat or whatever. I just think when you put a 21 in Hines and a 28 in Taylor and you put those two in a huddle, mm-hmm. it just makes – the defense think a little bit. I know Jonathan Taylor had a couple big drops in that Buffalo game. If I'm not mistaken, maybe only had one. I for some reason I think he had two. He caught the ball really, really well in the regular season. Yes, like, he did. Really, really well. Uh, and dude, that guy downhill. Huh, I mean, two thirty on a screen. You know, I mean, that's four three speed in the open field, and you know, hide the children if he comes downhill. So that's what I want to see more of of um, putting those two in the huddle. And just creating that seed of doubt is the phrase you always hear. Create the seed of doubt into uh, opposing defense. Yes, I agree. This next one comes from Matt. Every NFL team should have a fullback, Paul. You know, we see it now, like, you know, international players. I think, like, there's a handful of teams that have to have an international player. I don't really know the background on that. But basically, there's five or six international guys uh, that are on 90-man rosters right now. Every team should have a fullback. You know, it's 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 like the volleyball, the girl that wears the different color shirt. Libero. Yeah, yeah. Every team's got one. Yep. Hey, every team got to have a fullback. Must play their fullback fifteen snaps a game. <laughs> I love it. I mean, we're getting into the the old school football. Hear me out, Roger Goodell. Which is crazy to say it's old school football, but that is the way we've been hey, trending. You know me, man. I need an NFL team that runs a wishbone. I need an NBA team that presses eighty two nights out of the year. That's <laughs> that, that's what I need in sports. All right, this one's from Matt. Hey, Kevin, thanks for all the Colts coverage this offseason. 
It's been great. Appreciate I've seen that, some Matt. I've seen some stories that point to the Colts being one of the least vaccinated teams in the league. Not sure if you can speak to those reports or not. Local and state governments have been upping the ante now, offering giveaways to try and get their citizens vaccinated. Could you see the NFL entertaining an idea of offering vaccinated players a one-time cash bonus or something of that nature? I'm not sure if it's a high if it's high price enough for some of those players, but just a thought. Also, to add to this, will the Colts tell us who is vaccinated, or will we have to see who's wearing masks during camp? Boy, tons of relevant questions here. Mm-hmm. Tons of relevant questions. Someone else sent in a similar question. I, the name escapes me, but I, I did want to mention that. Um, what I know is this: the Colts do have low numbers uh, compared to teams around the NFL um, in terms of who and what. I, I you know, I, I don't know that. Um, obviously, you can run to HIPAA for, I think, a lot of that stuff, or just players, frankly, probably don't want to share. Now, judging by Darius Leonard on social media, I would be fair to guess he is not vaccinated with some of the stuff that um, he has put out there. I know DeForest Buckner is vaccinated. I, I don't know if people care about that or if people don't care about that, but uh, I know Buckner was, you know, I got a young kid, and, and my wife and I felt like it's good to get vaccinated. So, there you go, you know, two leaders of the football team and obviously two very different sorts of opinions. Will the Colts tell us who's vaccinated? I would say no. I'd be stunned if they did. Uh, will we need to wait to camp to see who's masked, masked up? Yeah. Um, same thing with the coaching staff. Right. I, I, I guess that you'd throw in there as well. Um, you know, w- where I sit at it from, and I'm sure we've got listeners of this podcast that are staunch vaxxers and staunch anti-vaxxers like that's just welcome to uh, america here in, in 2021 i cannot get out of my brain chris that titans game last year where in the most important game of the season and again covid last year a lot different than covid this year yeah but covid last year you've got Nico autry symptomatic you've got deforce buckner asymptomatic and you've got jonathan taylor close contact with his girlfriend they all missed that game and obviously you didn't have the vaccine last year, so it's much, much different. But, you know, and then in your own building, you know, you get taken to the woodshed, really, by the Titans and what happened at the end of the season. Yeah. That was the game. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, to each their own, but I feel very confident saying this. If you, are, if you don't want to get vaccinated, you are hurting your football team, like point blank period. Um, now, some people say, I don't give a shit about that. I rather care about what I believe in and, and, and this and that. Okay, fine. Like, I'm not, obviously, it's everyone's own opinion on it. My opinion is I'm vaccinated. I think it makes a lot of sense. When you look at just the protocols to, like, work in the NFL this year, you could stick a lot of things in my arm. I, I need to probably preface by what, <laughs> what I said there. That was dangerous. But um, you could stick a lot of things in my arm, and I'd probably say, go ahead. And that means I get to sit with my friends at lunch. I don't have to travel separately to games. I don't have to get tested every day. Like, I mean, I got tested, whatever it was, five days a week for, you know, X amount of months last year, and it was not ideal. Now, was there a blessing in that you had kind of that peace of mind? Sure, but it was not ideal. So I don't need or want, and you guys certainly aren't listening to this, for my thoughts on it. Um, so I'll, I, I won't go down any sort of those paths, but I think we can sit here and say – um, the Colts don't have great numbers. We'll see how things have changed. Has the John Rahm situation, the Chris Paul situation, has just a sense of urgency of, you know, obviously if you want to be fully vaccinated the two weeks out, you know, you got to mm-hmm. start that kind of in mid-June. 
Um, has that led to more people? I don't imagine the NFL is going to entertain the cash bonus. I don't. I I think the NFL's carrot they're dangling is life with the vaccine, life without the vaccine, and it it's like pledge ship versus you're in the fraternity. It is almost how like you yeah. look at life for uh, NFL players vaccinated or not. So. Yeah, Matt, I, it's a storyline that I hate that we're going to have to talk about, but we are. That's the reality right and now. And this is where we're at. So we'll see how things play out here in the next few weeks and try to get as clear of a picture as we can. Very informative answer, very informative question. Uh, let's jump to something. And, and just one, one last thing. Go ahead. I, I think going back to that Titans game last year, like that is the reality for your unvaccinated players. If I have it correct, I, I need to double check that. But basically, I think if you're vaccinated, you'd get tested once every two weeks, I want to say. Okay. If you're unvaccinated, you're getting tested every single day. And the close contacts, like, you know, if whatever, Mrs. Leonard tests positive, then all of a sudden Darius is out for, um, I forget what it is. I want to say it's five days. That's what happened with Taylor last year. So. You know, and the whole NC State thing. I mean, we saw that in the College World Series, and you know, vaccinated players are testing positive. So, it, trust me, it, it's not a crystal clear mm-hmm. process. Obviously, I think we all know that now, over a year into it. Um, but yeah, thanks for the question, Matt. I know it's on a lot of people's minds. I've, I haven't touched on it fully. Um, so yeah. But like you said, it's something that it's a reality right now, and it's just going to have to be talked about. Yeah. And shout out, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Let's go to a lighthearted topic. Okay. We got a question from Aaron. Madden's coming out. Oh. He wants to know Madden ratings. I don't know if you have a console. I don't know how often you play, Kevin. It's been a while for me since I feel like the game has not changed much in the last seven or so years. But he wants to list a couple offensive players and a couple defensive players and see what you think their Madden grade is going to be when that game comes out. Okay. Okay. Um, before you name the players, I will side with you. Full transparency, I don't think I've played Madden. Dude, I haven't picked up the sticks since maybe sophomore year of college. Yeah. So I am 31, about to be 32. It's been uh, it's been maybe 11, 12 years. And Ryan Harris, freshman year, dorm room, maybe he brought <laughs> Madden down, and I said, dude, you want to get your ass kicked? Yep. Here we go. Some um, pizza, some beer, a little Madden. Go. Right, yep. exactly. Um, I really hope, though, that you know, if Rosie or any of our God willing future children want to play video games, I hope I'm I'm I still know what I'm doing. I don't think I will, and that's a long time. I might need to, you know, knock off some rust. I don't know, man. The way kids are now, my nephew, he's like, You wanna play Fortnite? I, Dude. I'm hiding in no a bush. Chance. Like, I'll just wait. Yeah. I'm like, You got Mario <laughs> Tennis? You yeah. know? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it could toad race on Rainbow Road. Yeah, you know? let's pick up some Mario Kart. I can play there. Yeah, right. Okay, so he's throwing players at us? He's going to throw some players. You want me to go one-on-one? You want me to list them? Yeah, let's go one-on-one. Okay, first up, Carson Wentz. 84. That's exactly what I had him at. Okay. Jeez. DeForest Buckner. 96. Okay, I was thinking 95. We're we're we're, okay. we're All right. listen. Jeez. We're on pace. We're still doing. We still got it. You and I are on the uh, are on the same page. Here. Quentin Nelson, 99. Okay, was that too high? Uh, are there 99s I'll, in the game? There are. There's uh, a few. I think a couple hundreds. I don't know. Again. Oh I'm sh- wow. I'm showing my. Age well, here. I mean, I'm going Nelson as high as I can. Okay. Jonathan Taylor. 87, but that arrow's pointing up. All right, I have him at 86. 
Darius Leonard. Boy, um, I'd have him high. 90, 95. Okay. Kenny Moore? 90. Michael Pittman Jr. Are these too high? Pittman's, Pittman's got to be low. He's got to be low 80s, 80, 83. But, yeah. you know, arrow pointing straight up. Kenny might be a little high, but I think that's just based on the fact that, again, the national people right. and, and the guys that make the video games, not always knowing who people like Kenny Moore are. Yeah. Is the voice of Madden still the butler guy, Brandon Gordon? Do you know? You know, I think it's Charles Davis, and it might be him. Really? Yeah. He was at that outing last week. I should have. Because he went down to Georgia Tech, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after the Butler Final Four runs. And yep. Then, yeah. And speaking of Wentz and Buckner, I was listening to something with Buckner a few weeks back, and he said that he had the Wentz family over to to dinner. Awesome. So I think Carson's got a young um, girl, and yes. I believe they're expecting number two. Did I see that? Yes, yep. So, um, Yeah. Who knows? Maybe one day, you know, a little softball team, Rosie Bow, you know, baby, <laughs> baby Wentz and baby Buckner. Get a little luck action in there as well. Oh, I forgot about Lucy <laughs> Luck. Good call on that. All right, question from Brian. Recently, the Colts have not won a division, have not won a playoff game, and it only got into the playoffs last year due to the fact that the NFL added a team. Why are they considered one of the better teams in the AFC? I hope they are, but it just seems like they have to earn it by the play on the field rather than paperwork and the locker room. Ooh. Okay. Um, well, Brian, I, I think this past success is not the sole barometer for, uh, gosh, I feel like I sound like a CEO. <laughs> past success is not the sole barometer for future results. I don't know. Something like that. Gosh, nothing says you've had like a bad year and then you stand up in that, you know, first meeting next year and you're like, follow me. I'm the leader. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But like in all seriousness, I mean, I mean, you say that every year. Like, this team returns X amount of starters. They brought in these sorts of recruits. So, yes, I mean, if you're talking about past success, Brian, what? You were seventh in the AFC this year. You were, boy, I'm willing to guess, I don't know, ninth or tenth two years ago in the AFC. Now, the year before that, Frank Reich's uh, first year, you uh, didn't win the division, but you were one of the final four teams. So you were fourth in the AFC that year. So I guess if you average that out, you've been a slightly above average AFC team in the Frank Reich era. Um, but, you know, I also think like you look at Cleveland, you're like, well, Cleveland's past success isn't really there besides last year. But I think we all consider Cleveland a pretty good team. I was, wasn't was watching it, but I saw it behind um, in, in our radio studio this morning that somebody called Cleveland the most well-rounded team in the NFL right right now. I wow. mean, I think people are – basically, people are super high in the AFC. Yes. I think it's a really good conference. So, I think fans should have reason for optimism, but at the same time, like, you've got to prove it. Like, this is what the offseason is kind of all about, all, all about here. Um, I mean, right now, yes, this regime has been a slightly above-average AFC team. Like, you can totally state that. Uh, but you feel like there's been a few roster tweaks, and that can lead to the Colts being a good AFC team. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I understand pe- people's reasons for optimism, but I think we've accurately stated it that right now up to this point, the Reich-Ballard era on on the field has not been a massive success by any means. You haven't won a division. You've only won one one, one playoff game. So the, the, those are the results that um, you just have to see change. Have to see change. This one comes from Josh. 
when we see the defense flash like they have in so many halves this past season is that personnel outshining the scheme. Matt Eberflus got floated for some head coaching jobs again, and I'm wondering if leaving might be the best outcome. Don't think we'd ever fire him after an 11-5 season, nor does he deserve to be fired, but him moving on and Chris Ballard finding the right coach for the personnel that he has acquired might be what unlocks a potential elite defense. Am I underestimating Frank Reich's influence on the schematic decision on defense, or am I just like everyone else grasping for straws trying to figure out why this keeps happening? Yeah, it's a good question, Josh. Um, well, l- let me start there. You know, Chris Bauer wanted Matt Eberflus. This is the Rod Marinelli tree, you know, if we if we remember, which a lot of you want to block it out, which is perfectly fine and understandable. Uh, he was one of the three assistants under Josh McDaniels. Um, Gouge, gone. And uh, homeboy, Fair, the, the, the D-line coach, also gone as well. So Flus is the last one standing from um, the old Josh McDaniels era, very similar to the George O'Leary era up in South Bend. And Frank was really content with it. You know, I remember Joey and I having this conversation back when Frank was hired. And I'm thinking to myself, and, and, you know, Frank had familiarity with the Eberflus system, which obviously Marinelli, Tampa 2, you know, those sorts of yeah. things, being in the same division, you know, Philly, Dallas, even though Flus wasn't calling the plays there. But I remember Joey and I saying, like, dude, if I've got one crack at being an NFL head coach, which, you know, for the most part, a lot of coaches only have one crack at it, I want to go down swinging with who I have mapped out as my coordinators. But Frank Reich is such a nice human being. I think he was just like, I'm going Fluce. Um And also, yeah, I, I think he believed in him as well. Frank, of course, having the history in this defense of being on staffs. Um, I, I would like a little bit more schematically. I would. But, I, no, I don't think Frank is heavily, heavily involved on the schematic decisions defensively. Certainly not within a game. Um and maybe a little bit game planning each week, but not uh, a, a ton. So, um, you know, I, I do think this defense, there is a little bit more there for this unit. I think there's some impactful players at every level. We've talked about the pass rush, I think, being the most important aspect, non-Carson Wentz division uh, for the 2021 season. Um, but this is a, this is a debate that, that we've had before. There's a lot of strong characteristics about mm-hmm. this defense. They're tremendous against the run. Um, I, I do think the playing with great effort, as much as like elementary that sounds, they buy into it and they do play with, with, with great effort. So I, I do think there's something there. Uh, but I also think something is missing a little bit in just being a little bit more schematic, being a little bit more week-to-week. I want to move my own chess pieces, mm-hmm. those sorts of things that I think to truly be late January – you gotta say you gotta uh, start start to see that. All right, four more. Louisiana guys, curious, Kevin. What do you think our move will be at quarterback if Carson Wentz doesn't pan out? And do you think we will regret not drafting a rookie from this year's draft class? Also, what's your take on the Aaron Rodgers situation? And would Chris Ballard go after him if it came down to do it, regardless of the cost? Thanks and love the hard work that you and Chris do weekly. Thank you for that, Louisiana guy. Um, Boy, this is a tough one. It's really impossible to predict a lot of this. You know, I, I think Justin Fields will be good, Chris. I guess let me start there when you talk about trading up. You know, I think, I believe I said this before in the podcast, if you gave Chris Bauer a magic eight ball and you would have tell, told him on draft night Justin Fields would be there at 10, 11, whatever he ended up going. Uh, I think part of me believes the Colts would have sat out Carson Wentz and traded up four fields. Um, now that's me, just strictly talking gut yeah. there. 
Um, but I also sit here, and as much as I think Fields will work out, I think Carson Wentz is going to work out. Now, is he going to work out to the level of, like, boom, top five QB, and here come a bunch of Super Bowls? I I, I got to see a little bit more. But I would be, I'm going to be shocked if Carson Wentz looks like the dude we saw last year. Just shocked. Um, so, and God, hindsight is so 2020 with this. Um, you know, the move at QB, if Wentz doesn't pan out, you know, as much as you would like to see, like, if all of a sudden, like, Carson Wentz just looks like whatever, you'd love to see Eason get some reps, but I, I just, I don't really see that happening. Um, so, therefore, I'm going to bump it up and say, um, probably the draft. Okay. You know, you got to look towards that. And, again, I don't think that's something that you, you want to acknowledge, you want to look towards, but... Um, yeah, as far as Aaron Rodgers, that dude's a wild human. He really is. He's just different. He's different. Marches to the beat of his own drum for Dude, sure. Dude, all the I mean, when you're an elite athlete, you are different. You are I mean, Tom Brady's weird. Aaron Rodgers is weird. Peyton Manning's weird. Like and uh, like I'm weird. I mean, the, the, there's a lot of now obviously the fact that I just included myself in a sentence <laughs> with all those say. people is is astonishing. So feel free to turn off the podcast, but you know what I'm getting at. You know, we're all we're all, you know, we're all weird. To a degree here. Um, I mean, Rogers married Danica. That's that's. Or did he marry her or dated her? I don't know if they were engaged or not. All I know is that's that, that that's crazy and crazy. Yeah, that those weren't ever going to mix. I don't yeah. think. I mean, the Colts have. Uh, I just don't think the Colts have a trade package either. Yeah, no. You know, I, I guess if you throw in wins, maybe. But I mean, who knows? Do the Packers want wins? I, I don't. Yeah. That was a little surprising when you were listening off the odds earlier. Aaron's not even on a team right now. Well, technically he is, but and he was. You had him at third on MVP or second with Brady on MVP. I thought it was Josh Allen and Brady. Okay. Um, let me see if I can find that real fast. I thought you Rogers had Rodgers up there. I could be mistaken. No. No. Yeah. 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 You are right. Rodgers and Allen were ten to one, uh, and Tom Brady was twelve to one. <laughs> Nuts. Okay, for Mitch, serious, semi-serious question slash comment for the podcast. Okay. How in the world are you going to keep up with the weekly content when the team is basically underground for the next month? I'm serious. It has to be a huge challenge, and I'm curious about your process. As always, thanks for the good work. <laughs> oh, Mitch. Have have faith in me, Mitch. Um, I, I do always have these freak-out moments like – Right now, late June, early July, of like, oh my gosh, what what are we, you know, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna say? Um, and look, shorter pods, but we're still gonna give you a little bit of, you know, a little bit of goods. I like, I I feel like I have a decent understanding of. I know I'm not the best writer. I know I'm not like the best entertaining presence on the mic. So what we try, or what I try to do here, and what what we try to do with our content is just be consistent. You guys have heard me say before, like informative, available, interactive. Yep. Like those are kind of the three things I always come come back to. And I, I think if you like compare our coverage to other outlets, we are producing the most routine content. You know, on a on a very consistent basis. Um, you know, we talk about people that you know, cover the team on a daily basis. So. Um, you know, I, I, I make a running list throughout the year of time, the stuff that I'm like, oh, that's not very time sensitive. I can save that for June and July. And um, I find myself, I know there are a lot of people that just check out and we see the numbers. Like, 
our June podcast are not listened as much as what our mm-hmm. August podcast will be when training camp. It's still, you know, pretty good numbers. I'm pleased with them, but uh, we know people check us out, which I totally understand. I am someone that, though, I want to read Notre Dame stuff every single day. Like, that that's just how I'm wired, and I know there's Colts fans that are out there like that. So we are there for yeah. you, and if you want to listen to 45 minutes of Colts talk in late June, here you go. So we're going we're, we're gonna to keep it uh, – Keep it coming, and and we will. I, I know today it was kind of a cheesy, you know, topic. The whole Taylor MVP. I do want to get into like our annual stuff of most indispensable Colts that we always get into. Colts with the most pressure on mm-hmm. them. Um, camp storylines, position battles. Like we, we'll, we'll get into some of that in July. And like I know a lot of that might seem clickbaity. It's not clickbaity to me. Because, like, that's real. Like, who's got pressure on them this yeah. year? Like, who's in the contract? Who means a lot to their position groups, those things? So, um, yeah. We're going we're gonna to keep it coming, Mitch. Don't you worry about it. If I'm traveling with the family, we'll, we'll, we'll bring Ross Lubbers out of the bullpen and <laughs> give Chris a well-deserved break. Ross always does a great job. Yeah. We, we can't be feeding his ego too much now. Come <laughs> on now. All right, from Zach. Hey, Kevin and this will go to your AFC point, all the playoff situations have me thinking. As a Canadian, the CFL has a system in place for teams to cross over for the playoffs. What do you think about the NFL implementing that kind of system of where if a team that was not to make the playoffs in the AFC has a better record than an NFC, that they would go through that route? Could make for an interesting divisional and Super Bowl, etc. Oh, boy. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, this is talk about summer thinking right yep. here, Zach. I okay. I love tradition. Like I, I, I hate change. I hate change and I hated going to seven playoff teams. I, I think that's stupid. Like the regular season's so hard in the NFL. I think the second team should get a bye in each conference. And when you get to like seven of sixteen, Chris, in each conference, it's like, hell, it's nearly half. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. that, I hate that about the NBA. Sixteen of thirty make the playoffs. Like NFL regular season, man, each Sunday matters a whole, whole lot. Now, don't get me wrong. I got to Saturday and Sunday this year and said, oh, you're giving me three playoff games? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I don't know. I, I don't love the cross. I, I get it, but do you like it if the NFC to cross over the AFC? I'm kind of with you. I think it always comes up about every year when there's a team that gets in at 8-8 eight and eight or or – there's been teams that gotten in at seven and nine, right? And you're looking at some, some other divisions where it's like, really, this yeah. team is getting, you know, they're kind of getting punished for having the toughest division. But like you said, that's that's part of it, and you know that's part of it. So that's why you build your team to just not to just try and win your division, but you know, if you win your division, your chances of going to the Super Bowl have just significantly increased. I feel like we see a lot in the NBA, Chris. You know, the West used to be so much better than the East. Yeah, that, that that was a big part of it as well. So, yeah, I appreciate the thinking, Zach. I I, I just don't I don't love it. Yeah, I think basketball is a good one because, like you said, there have been years where the scale is very tipped. Now that's a little travel, you know, west to east. Obviously, in the NFL, you've got divisions that are yeah all across the country in both both conferences. All right, we're going to wrap things up with a question from Brent. Do they normally allow fans into the training camp scrimmage at Lucas Oil Stadium, the one where they do the offense and the defense? Okay, so I'm a little confused by this. I, training camp scrimmage, and as we were recording this, they just announced the training camp schedule. Um, 
and like fan access. So I do want to read a little bit of that. I'm just kind of going off the Colts app. So we'll touch on that here in just a sec. Okay. But Chris, I can't correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't remember the last training camp practice at Lucas Oil. Like when I think of training camp practices, I always think fans there, unless it's at the team facility. But when they had at the team facility that one year, I think they did Warren Central maybe for a practice. Like I, I just feel like when they do fans, it's come out every day and the night practices are bigger ones. Um, now last year you had COVID, so obviously you didn't have fans there. I know they used to do a spring, like an OTA or a mini camp down at Lucas Oil. Um, and, and if you come out to practice, folks, it's offense versus defense every day. Now they're not in full pads every day, but I mean, you will see – Mm-hmm. Offense versus defense. So, yeah, I can't remember any training camp scrimmage at Lucas Oil, and if there have been, there haven't been many. So I know there's not an annual one by any means. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to see the Colts this year, Grand Park and Westfield um, is your place to go. Let me let me pull up this. Looks like no COVID restrictions I'm seeing here for fans at all. Uh, no screening required, COVID screening for fans. Masks and face coverings will be encouraged, uh, but they will be optional. Wow. And a dedicated mask required section will be available for fans in high-risk health categories or who would prefer to sit in a masked area. So I'm not too shocked by any of that. I, I thought they'd be open to fans. Mm-hmm. 19 practices featuring a mix of morning, afternoon, and evening and weekend. Um, if they go indoors, fans will not be allowed. Is that 19 total, including the Panthers when they come to town? I assume. Okay. I'm going to assume that. Looks like Wednesday, July 28th to Thursday, August 19th. So it starts on my birthday. Let's go. There you go. That's a good birthday present. Cold City is always kind of cool. Yeah. They do a good job out there. A lot of interactive stuff for kids as well. Yeah, so this looks – let me see if I can find some times real real fast here. Um so, yeah, I mean, this this looks pretty good. I should probably check my email as well. Yeah, and if you've not been up to Grand Park, they've done an oh, amazing job, and then everything around there has exploded as well. It started out – hell of a facility. Yeah, it started out kind of in the middle of nowhere, which it still to a degree is. Um, but they've done a – I mean, the city of Westfield has really blossomed around that facility. Yeah, it really has. It is a quite the uh, quite the campus. And, I, and like you said earlier, I'm looking forward to the uh, – to the Panthers being in the building. Yeah. All right, let me try and dial up. Okay, I got it right here. All right. So it looks like they're going to practice in the morning, first three days. Uh, that's a 10 to about 11.30, 11.45. The weekend, uh, 1 to 2.30. Um, yeah, I mean, they're practicing mainly mornings is what I'm seeing. So 10 to about 11.30, 11.40 each day. The joint practices, 4 to 6 p.m. Both those days. Okay. So that's August 12th and 13th. Um, I'm going to fire up a little screenshot here and tweet this out. And you know the crazy thing is, Kevin, uh, like I said, a lot of things for kids to do out there. Anymore, and you should know as your parents' uh, school teachers, they're they're going back to school at the end of July now. So if you can get out there the first couple days, it's probably going to be your first shot before your kids head back to school and then after that you'll probably have to attend an evening session yes that is that is a great point um i'm glad that you mentioned that or just you know let them play hooky one day yeah why not get mom or dad of the year out of the way you know midsummer yeah exactly um man now that i'm looking at this they they're gonna practice at grand park on august 23rd and 24th i mean 
I don't remember camp going that late. That's late, man. I mean, July 28th to August 24th. Yeah. Boy. So, yeah, they go every – I'm seeing here every three days, three-ish days, and then an off day. So three to four off, three to four off. So the weekend practices, I see a Saturday, a Saturday, a Sunday. I only see three weekend practices. Um, Now, remember – once you get in the third week of camp, you start getting preseason games. So that's something to remember as well. Um, boy, they got a thirsty Thursday here. <laughs> really? Jeez. Bringing out some that, craft. That's the Panthers practice day. So, Oh, boy. Matt Rule, good luck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Moms and Tots day out. There you go. All right. Shout out there. All right. Well, there you go. Camp schedule. Got to love it. Uh, again, we'll have that up on the website. And what else? I assume those are all Twitter questions. Those are all the Twitter questions, yep. Cool. All right, well, we will get into more of this on next week's podcast, like I said, up on the website. And, uh, yeah, I think that covers everything. So, for Chris Presley, I'm Kevin Bowen. Again, everybody have a great 4th of July. Uh, we are certainly blessed to be living in this country, and thank you to all of those who have fought for our freedom and continue to do so. And uh, be safe, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.